We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. NBA most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Hey there, welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, proudly a part of the Blue Wire podcast. This episode is being broadcast live on Locker Room, so hello to everyone here in the room on Locker Room, now on Android as well as iOS. So all Eurostep fans should be able to tune in. I am Ty Windish, one of your hosts, joined as always with the upset by the upset, Rohan Kadi. I'm upset too, that's why I'm getting my words wrong Rohan, we're upset because the Bucks just lost to the San Antonio Spurs, one forty-six to one twenty-five, <laughs> which feels like a misprint. Probably a dumb question, but how's it going? You know, right now in my life, I am very, very busy. I did not need this. I really <laughs> did not. I did not need this sort of negative, negative energy from the Milwaukee Bucks. But here we are. We got it. So let's talk about it. They got absolutely hosed. (laughs) And we'll get into it a little bit. Like a lot of it was just credit to San Antonio. They just, they shot the lights out. They could not miss. It was, it was an incredible performance from them. But. But the Bucks also did not help themselves whatsoever. No, and I think I almost think the conversation around the game is more interesting or important than the game itself at this point, just because there was certain there's there was some shooting variance here, and we'll get into how much of that is on the Bucks or how much of that is just the Spurs getting lucky, right? But 
They shot 59.6% from the field, 58.6% from three, 81% from the line on 21 attempted free throws. The Bucks attempted 23, so I think there was a more of a disparity early that kind of went away. But, you know, the Bucks shoot 31% from deep. So it's always going to be a little hard to win when you shoot 27% worse than the other team. But, but I think after getting some pretty cupcake looks early, the Spurs, this is, they, they, the looks dried up slightly, right? I think the Bucks tried to tighten up and, and take some of them away. But I just felt like the Spurs shooters were in such good rhythms after walking into all these open jumpers early because the Bucks were giving up a lot of space and that set the tone for the whole game. And it really just, it went from there. The Spurs were in rhythm. They start pulling away in the first quarter and they just continued to do that. I mean, you look at the scores by quarter until garbage time, or at least for the first half Spurs put up 45 in the first quarter and 42 in the second quarter, just ridiculous stuff. For sure. And, Let's let's get this uh, straight. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks in the first quarter, they were giving San Antonio, they were giving them threes. And that's yeah. because that's the way San Antonio likes to play. They like to play more mid-range. They're, they're sort of a weird team in that they allow a lot of mid-rangers, but they also uh, like to take a lot of mid-rangers. They're, 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 a, they're a strange team, to say the least. But, so... You can't just let them get in rhythm for three. And that's what you were talking about earlier. And you had a great tweet about it. The little little meme quote from Mike Budenholzer, what are you going to do, get hot? That's That sort of encapsulated that first quarter because it's like you're giving a team these looks. And it's like, okay, yeah, that usually plays to what they you know, don't want to do. And that's that's a good formula for us to succeed in this game. Theoretically, sure, why not? But... But they got hot. They got hot from distance, and that really set the tone for the Bucks because they did not adjust to that right away. I know that's a buzzword, adjustment. <laughs> but they did not really adjust to that right away. They kept on giving San Antonio those same looks, and they kept knocking them down. They were expecting the shooting to go down a little bit. Oh, maybe they're just, you know, this is a little unsustainable. It, sure, it's unsustainable for a game, but, like, like a single game over a season, but not like within a game itself. Like we've seen that time and time again. Uh, as if you're an avid watcher of the Bucks, you keep telling yourself they the, the opposing team cannot have this high shooting variance every night, right? They just they can't do it. They can't do it every single night. But it's every team against the Bucks. So theoretically, their game plan was solid. You just you can't you can't just stick with it if it's clearly not working. No, and I think it's all, it's important to note too that you know the the Spurs were also getting good looks from mid range, and that like I think they just got hot shooting in general, and it wasn't just the threes. I mean, San Antonio only makes twenty seven threes. I'm not a huge math guy, but that's less than sixty points, right? So I mean, that sounds like a ton of points, but they scored hundred and forty six, so less than half of their points were threes. But you get a guy like 20, Dol- 27 threes is uh, more than sixty points. 17. Sorry. Okay. They made, did I say 27? <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry. They made 17 threes. They were 17 of 29. It really would have been outlier shooting if they were 27 of 29. They were 17, made 17 threes. So it's less than 60 points. But, you know, when you score 146, less than 60 is obviously, you know, less than half of that. It's math guy tie at it again. But you look at a guy like DeMar DeRozan, 
makes nine shots, none of them threes. Keldon Johnson makes six shots, one of them a three. So their their shooters were just hot in every possible sense of the word hot. Patty Mills had like a third of their threes. He shot a very nice six for nine from down under, just packed with innuendo there. But I, I just it, it was just disappointing to see. Like, I, I don't think the effort was there for a lot of the first half. And what's funny is the Bucks won the second half, right? Like, they win the third quarter by three points. They lose the fourth quarter by a point. So, second half, a pretty close half. Could have been a close game, but they just got the doors blown off of them in that first half. And it basically, it ended the game. I mean, it wasn't completely over. There was a, a chance. I think the Spurs blew a huge lead against the Celtics, like, last week. But, you know, if you play it close in the second half it doesn't really matter if you just get annihilated in the first half. And that's what happened. I mean, I, I shared this stat on Twitter too. The Spurs literally scored more in the first two quarters against Milwaukee tonight than they did per game in their first championship final series against the Knicks. They averaged like 84 points per game in that series. I think they only scored more than 87 once or maybe twice in route to a 4-1 win against New York. Like, Per game, they scored more than they scored <laughs> per game in their first championship win in the first half tonight. That is just an insane stat that really shows how blazing hot the Spurs were. But I think the Bucks let them get into it. What I want to get into now, we'll get to seeding in a little bit. If anyone has questions, definitely drop those in the chat or topics. But And I think we should talk about Teague at some point, too, because this is, Teague is becoming a, a thing. But... Should it matter? Like, should the Bucks care about these last few games, Rohan? So there's there's some legitimate debate if it should matter or not, because this is a postseason-oriented team and everything else. But, you know, should this just be a shrug of the shoulders and move on, or should this be viewed more, as you can probably tell I view it, as really like an unacceptable result? I think you should definitely care if you're the Milwaukee Bucks. You cannot be laissez-faire about the last couple of games right before you have a potentially deep playoff run, depending on how you you know you yourselves play it. If you are the Bucks, uh, with uh, <laughs> potential consequences for uh, for some uh, people on the team, we haven't actually had a podcast since that news came out uh, about Coach Budenholzer. Um, so yeah, I th- I think they should take this they should take these games seriously. It matters, especially because the seeding is getting very very important. And like I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, jockeying for position in terms of like oh let's lose this game strategically so we avoid this matchup. No, the basketball gods hate that. However, you should try to get as high of a seed as possible. Like that's a good thing. That's usually rewarded. Like the Bucks have had the number one seed the past two years, given it hasn't worked out in their favor really that <laughs> that much, but. They haven't really had to be in this position because they've had such big leads uh, in the conference the last two seasons. So this is a new feeling for this team in this era. So I think they should definitely care about this. Definitely care about this. We'll get into the seeding in a little bit. But just on a standpoint of how you feel about, you know, these basketball games like going going into the playoffs, you should care because these are your final tune-up games before they really, really matter. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think they should care for a lot of reasons. Like you said, we'll look at seeding later, but and probably pretty soon at this point. But I and just seeding is also very important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, and I have a I have a whole diatribe for that. But also, it's just like you know, there's five games left. 
And whether you care about seeding or not, and that, you know, you, you could argue the Bucks don't care either. That's either wrong or stupid, right? Those are the two options. They should absolutely care, but we'll get there. It, even if you don't care though, like I still think ignoring seeding, ignoring the W's and the L's, your two priorities then should be staying healthy and like getting, getting in a rhythm, like getting going a little bit, like using these last few games as what they are the last bit of time to experiment and get some reps in before the playoffs are here. And suddenly, you know, if you dick around and lose two games, it might just lead to you, you know, being done like for the year, which is obviously, you know, bad. Um, but we've talked about before, right? We've barely seen any minutes with PJ Tucker and Giannis at the four and five. Like anytime you get a chance to, you know, play those two together in these regular season games. It's super important because you just need those reps. So if both of the, and everyone was healthy, everyone's playing tonight. If everyone's healthy and everyone's playing, I just think it should be required to just go and ball out because there's only so many more of these like free pass games before everything matters so much and everything is tightened and more intense. And it's like, I just don't, I don't understand the logic and thinking, like literally whatever happens in these last five games besides injuries doesn't matter. And this wasn't a rest game. Like everyone played, they would have played 30 plus minutes, like 35 minutes each if it wasn't for garbage time coming up. I think at halftime, Chris Middleton was on pace for 40 minutes in this game. He ends up at 32, but that's with the plug being pulled and the second half being pretty obviously out of reach. So I, I just don't see the case for saying like, it literally doesn't matter. They don't care. Like at a more basic level, you just shouldn't want to get your ass kicked, right? <laughs> like these are professional basketball players. They don't want to get ran out of the gym. Like don't kid yourself and thinking Giannis is out there for 30 minutes and he and the Bucks are just like shrugging their shoulders every every bad play. Like, oh, well, we don't care. Like, no, they, they do care, at least to a certain extent. You can argue organizationally, but, you know, at the ground level, these players and these this coaching staff cares at least a little bit about winning these games. They're not entirely indifferent towards it. So it's like, it's, it's concerning. It should be concerning that, that if you take that assumption to be true, that they care a little bit, that they just keep getting the doors blown off of them. And again, you can say they won whatever straight games in a row since the two Nets games, they've given up 134, 133, and now 146 in their last three games to the Wizards, Rockets and Spurs. Wizards, I'll give you the Wizards, kind of coming around. The Rockets, one of the absolute most garbage teams in the league. And this was them with no players, and they scored 133. KPJ drops 50 on the Bucks, and they lose to the lowly Rockets. He and everybody else is out of the next game, and they still get 133. And now the Spurs, who hate three-pointers, get 146? Like, that's like that just shows you something is off. Like they clearly aren't caring enough. They're only caring a little bit. If you're going to give up, what is that averaging? Like about 140 points per game, just under it probably. And like there's just like something off right now. Like there's not three straight outlier performances for three eh teams to score like 400 points. They did score 400 points in three games. Like that's obscene. Yeah, I think uh, Jacob has a really good point here in the chat. It's like. I feel like you should care that this team doesn't seem interested. If you guys don't care, show it and rest the guys. It feels like they're in this weird middle state 
right now. They're not going full throttle. And they're not just like, you know, going out there and resting their guys. Like they're they're in this weird sort of basketball uh, purgatory is strong. But uh limbo. Feels more say. like hell. Four hundred points <laughs> to the Wizards, Rockets, and Spurs? Yeah, when you put it that way, it actually seems pretty awful. <laughs> but yeah, it just it feels like they're not they don't know what their identity is in these last couple of games. Like I said, they haven't been in this position before in this era and they don't really know how to approach it. I feel like no one in the organization really knows how to approach this situation. Uh, do you, you know, just go out and you rest guys. Uh, they're not doing that. Do you go out there and go uh, play hundred percent? I, actually, I shouldn't say that, but we have no ev- evidence that they're not playing a hundred percent, but you know, just like, you know, go out there and have like, set game plans where you go out there and you cannot give up 146 points to the San Antonio Spurs in 2021. They're just in the middle. They're in the middle right now. And that's leading to them giving up these monster performances to lowly teams. Like you mentioned, and also just, you know, again, they, they got embarrassed tonight. They really did. You'll lose by 21 points like to the Spurs given again, credit to the Spurs. They've been just, they're fighting for their uh, play and lives. You know, their magic number is down to one, I believe. If the uh, if the Grizzlies beat the Pelicans, which they did, uh, so I guess it's not that much of a uh, urgent situation. But but still, San Antonio is still fighting for their lives. Like y- you got to show up against these teams, and they didn't. They didn't. It's plain and simple. And well, we've seen this in the last couple of games. They're just not showing up when they need to. You could say the silver lining, like that's been put in the chat as well. Like the silver lining is the last games they've played against real contenders. They've absolutely brought it. They have brought it 100%. And again, credit to them. That's good. That's a good sign. That shows that they can flip the switch. We've talked about this on previous episodes. But also like where, why don't you just do that uh, against these type of teams? When again, you're fighting for a two seed right now. Like, you you have that potential just use it it's like the comparison you used a couple episodes ago where dante is a perfect encapsulation of this team is looking more and more perfect right now unserious that's the vibe i got from these last three games it's just unserious like i don't need them to go 48 minutes against the wizards rockets and spurs with that versus nets intensity right like that's that's asking too much but you look at it and we've talked about a little bit of the, the Bucks end was schedule hell, right? Five games in seven nights. And it's really like six and a half days because the Heat and Bulls games is a Saturday, Sunday back to back. And they're both day games. Who thought this was a good idea? The NBA has all of the last two days of games, pivotal seeding games, all day games. Who said that day games were good basketball? It, a whole different story, but whatever. But anyway, these last five are just brutal schedule-wise. Tonight, tomorrow night against Orlando, Thursday in Indiana, and then Saturday, Sunday, Heat Bulls. So, like, it's a brutal schedule, like, scheduling timing-wise. The teams aren't that good, but the days and games is really tough. The Wizards game was the second end of a back-to-back. Then they get a day off before the Rockets game, then two days off before this game. So, like, these last two games especially – should be the ones out of this last six-pack that are the most winnable, at least in terms of scheduling. And they came out, you know, rested and looked like they had been off for three weeks, like the first day back in the office after a really long weekend with a lot of beverages consumed where, like, 
you're not getting anything done until like 1145 when you realize, oh, I should probably get something done before noon here. That's That was the vibe the Bucks gave off in this game. And it's just like, I just don't get it. Like, what have they done to earn that kind of mentality? Like, it just feels unserious to me. And I did spend a lot of time thinking about our conversations in the bubble last year of like, you know, they have the one insane win against Miami. They had to come back from a huge deficit. Otherwise, they pretty much just played like crap for most of the seeding games. They managed to win against Orlando despite losing game one in pretty ugly fashion and then just get ran out of the gym by Miami. And now there's no round. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. One, you know, team that you can slack off and still beat this year, most likely, if you keep messing up with these last couple games, you're going to get that Miami team from the jump. And, you know, I've said, we've said that they should easily be able to beat that team. But if they're going to come into that that series on this unserious kind of energy, I'm gonna not going to feel super confident about it, right? Like, this just feels like that same situation to me of like, oh, it's fine, we're saving it for the playoffs and the big matchups, we'll figure it out when we get there. And it's not like we're getting quotes about this, but just from the the level of play and intensity we've seen over the last week or so, that's the vibe, and I just don't like that vibe. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. First, those uh, those analogies you used a little bit ago, these are getting more and more hyper-specific, Ty. <laughs> the the okay. office one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just, just throw that out there. Let's move Not on. my but, current job is where I'm pulling that from. I just <laughs> want to make that clear. Uh, yeah, it's all, it's all in the past. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, that, it's a really good point. Like, that's been brought up in the chat as well. Like, Deepak, like... Th- the bubble is looking more and more it, it, it's it, we're bringing it back realistically i don't want to go this far i don't want to be like super hyper reactionary or anything right like i don't want to be i'm that just guy. saying it's reminiscent i'm not saying it's the same i'm just saying no, the no, vibes not, are similar yeah. for sure for sure i'm not calling you out in spe- specifically i'm just saying i don't want to be the person that's just 
okay, bad thing happens. They lose a they lose a game in embarrassing fashion. Sure, like teams get blown out all the time. These these things happen. Like <laughs> that's just the life cycle of the NBA. It's a road game, and they just had like like you mentioned, just brutal scheduling. It's it's tough. Like these things happen. However, we can also dissect what goes on in those games. Like you mentioned this up top. There's a lot of nuance within the games, not just the actual result that we're upset about. I do think this first round Miami series, let's get into the seeding game. The seeding, I guess, right now, it's looking a little more likely and it's looking a little more scary. Yeah. I mean, okay, so... I want to do first, wait first just to cap off the last part here. You talked about super hyper specific analogies. Jacob in the chat. It feels like this team is okay with getting C's when they're capable of B's every game. It's the feeling your parents had when they knew you were smarter than that. Jacob, I feel you. I feel you <laughs> posting through some uh, some some earlier in life circumstances, and I relate to that one uh, heavily. By the way, but um, yeah, so. I just think in general, before we get into the specific like seeding things and matchups and everything, I, I have decided that I think it's a fallacy to hope for a harder road to like exercise playoff demons or get the team ready oh, no, no, no. and, yeah, yeah, and in yeah. shape. Get I'm, that out of you. <laughs> I'm out on that. I'm just out on that. Like I was thinking about this today. The banner that Toronto hung from, you know, coming back against the Bucs and literally barely beating the 76ers, dropping game one against Orlando, and then taking out a decimated Warriors team that still had some fight in it. It's the same amount of bangers, or not bangers, banners. <laughs> there, there was a banger for them, but banners that the Cavs got to win for coming back from down 3-1 against the Warriors, right? Like, in the moment, everyone's going to say whatever they're going to say. History doesn't give a damn. It just doesn't. It's one championship for each, unless you're the Astros and you cheat. That one shouldn't count. But the you can't control your competition. Uh, championship is a championship is a championship. When the Bucks won the first time, the only time in 71, they like demolished a bunch of good but not historically great teams. And it's not like you look back now and think about that. You just think about Kareem and Oscar and Bob Dandridge won a title and it was the best. So I don't care – if they play four of the worst teams that are in the playoffs somehow that they all get there and win, because listen, you still had to beat a team in the first round, a team that beat another team, a team that beat two other teams, and then the team that got out of the other conference. I don't care who the teams are or how cool it would feel in the moment to go through Miami and Brooklyn and Philly and the Lakers. It's just harder, man. Like it'd be great if they did it. But give me the easy road all day. It's, oh, yeah. it's worth the same at the end. There's still only one team left standing at the end of all of this. At the end of all of this incredible NBA regular season playoffs, 30 teams starting off, one team, one team survives. And that's what makes it so special and so difficult. You want to make that road as easy as possible. <laughs> give yourself the best odds to actually go out there and do the damn thing, right? <laughs> you just Sure, symbolically it might mean more, but also you're giving yourself worse odds to go do it. Like if, if you're rooting for the harder matchup, it makes it more difficult to actually do it, and there's no guarantee that you're actually going to do it. 
Yeah, I mean, you can take whatever from, you know, if you want to see the series just like from a basketball fan, that's fine and, and good. But I, I am over the prove-it rounds and the playoffs or all that stuff. I, at this point, I am just hoping for the optimal setup for the Bucks to win a championship, which theoretically is their goal. Just kidding, kind of. So I did a bunch of interesting numbers and stuff earlier today about what all the scenarios would be. Um for you know going forward and they it all needs to get thrown out now basically since i was not anticipating a loss this early but the first seed is over uh the magic number for philly to clinch that thing is one so they just need to win one of their remaining games and they are the first seed it was that so it's title not over margin. is what you're saying they play Indiana next i think they have a pretty easy schedule all told it, it's i mean the bucks would also have to win out the rest of their games and the Sixers would have to so lose out saying there's a chance Sixers would have to lose out Pacers, uh, Miami, Orlando, Orlando. <laughs> that would be the most remarkable. Um, you know what would happen? The Bucks would somehow win whatever in a row until the last game. The Sixers would somehow lose out and then the Bucks would absolutely blow it against Chicago. That, that would be the most Bucks thing possible, but no, that's over. Like we're just going to write that off. You're saying it's over, but you're explaining how it could happen. I'm explaining how realistically it could not happen. <laughs> like there's a difference. I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I know. Obviously. I know you are. Um, and now, so the whole thing coming into this last stretch was the Bucks control their destiny for the two seed. You pretty much guarantee you're going to avoid Miami. It's still possible they drop to seven, but if they beat the Celtics, it no longer is. Boston reeling right now. They just learned that they are without Jalen Brown for the rest of the season, which absolutely sucks. Hoping get well for the soon. best for you. Get, yeah. get well soon, Jalen. That's a difficult injury. I think it was a scapholunate ligament. Yes. Like you just, it's impossible for you to realistically triple a basketball. Mm. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. Get well soon, Jalen. Yeah. But, uh, but with that injury, it's, I think it's pretty safe to, and again, it's not certain yet. Pretty much nothing is certain yet, but pretty safe to assume Miami is not dropping below six and the Hawks just won today. It's looking harder for them to get up to five. So I believe somebody in the chat earlier, maybe Justin had said there's a 90% chance that Miami ends up in sixth. Uh, we got Jacob in here. Uh, the Knicks would have to fall for them to move out of six. The Knicks have a hard schedule. They just beat the Clippers. Shout out to the Clippers, but all right, shout out to the Knicks, excuse me. Um, but um, So let's assume Miami is in six. The Bucks no longer control their destiny to avoid them, right? Like if, if you get up to two, you're going to avoid Miami. At this point, one and two look really nice, man, because you're getting the Celtics without one of their two best players or the Hornets or the Pacers or the Wizards. Like the Celtics not being at full strength really takes a lot of teeth out of that potential crop of opponents. But the Bucks no longer control their own destiny to get there. If the Nets win out, they have the two seed now because the Bucks dropped this game. So now the Bucks need either to win out or to win lose one for every time the Nets also lose. So there, there's the cushion is TBD. It depends how the Nets play the rest of the way. But uh, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they they still are going to get to two, or what? What do you think the likelihood is? I think they still can get to two, realistically. It just depends. I think the most realistic game for Brooklyn to lose is probably tomorrow against Chicago. Because I do not believe they will have James Harden uh, with 
Uh, returning to the lineup then, I think it's reporting, correct me if I'm wrong, please, that he might return for Wednesday against the Spurs. Uh, also, Pop, if you want to do Bud a favor, just like, come on, like, you know, do 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 the ting. Uh, on just have him shoot 60% from three again, Pop. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, let's let's go through Brooklyn's schedule. So they, like I said, Tuesday they have Chicago. Wednesday they have San Antonio. Saturday and uh, they have Chicago again, and then Sunday they have the Cavaliers. Not a murderer's row of uh, opponents, to say the least. Um, yeah. To to be fair, we said that against about San Antonio for Milwaukee. Uh, San Antonio again just beat the Bucks by twenty one points. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think it's it's probably realistic that they lose one of these games. Like if we're just talking normal NBA, plus this Brooklyn team has been known to just randomly lose these weird games to bad teams. Yeah, they basically they, do have four trap games, which is the one silver lining. Yeah. So I think they do lose one of these games and again like Milwaukee has a pretty pretty soft schedule the rest of the way, like Orlando, Indiana, Miami and Chicago. Like, again, it's not fantastic. You can probably pencil them in for one loss in there. but So then that would be Bucks three seed, basically. Bucks three seed. If you assume one loss for each, that's the outcome, right? Yeah, realistically. Uh, so the Bucks really, they really do need to win out here. I still think they can get to two. I really do. I do think they are capable of winning out here. Like, at least... Uh, at least when they play Indiana and they play Miami, they'll at least wake up for those matchups potentially because you're going to be playing against like Brogdon and you're going to be playing against like this Miami Heat team. Like they'll they'll wake up for those matchups. So you really have to worry about Orlando, who's completely out of it, and then Chicago, who's probably going to be completely out of it in the last game of the season. So the, the Bucks might get lucky. Chicago might just sit a bunch of guys because I was looking at this today, and not to totally sidetrack the conversation. But the Bulls are one of the three teams who have so much to lose by lottery balls because they could end up giving up to Orlando like a top 10 pick this year and just not having a first, which is really tough. And it looks like they're going to give up a pick unless they have a lot of lottery luck because they're, they're I just think they're pretty much they're pretty solidly out of the play. And they're not again, they're not mathematically out, but they're pretty much out. But they have a lot of incentive to try and lose. We'll see what they do there. The other two teams are Houston uh, and Minnesota, who really have a lot riding on the lottery, even more than usual for these teams. So that might help Milwaukee. But the counterpoint is, if they give up, they also play the Nets twice in these last few games. So uh, if there is an advantage to be had, it's only if the Bulls wait until the very last second to decide they're not in the business of winning games anymore. Yeah, for sure. They have until the last game of the season on that weird day game that you were talking about. Which, again... Weird. It's just weird. Stupid. Back-to-back day game. Like, who do you think you are, NBA? Like, this is not the NFL. This is not Thanksgiving football. Like, people – like, basketball is – it's a nighttime thing, man. I will – like, week weekend day basketball is kind of fun, though. But all – like, no night games? Yeah, that's weird. Why would you not want to space it out? Yeah, and Milwaukee is even lucky in this regard because they play uh, Saturday in Milwaukee and then Sunday in Chicago. Like, that's very little travel. Like, it's just a bus. That's for a them. good point. They don't, they don't even fly. So a lot of these other teams aren't even getting as lucky. 
It's well, just it's bad. Brooklyn. Brooklyn's in Brooklyn for the last two. But um, the other thing about the Nets' schedule that's worth mentioning is they also have a pretty darn tough schedule. Um, they got back from playing Denver on Saturday, so they have plenty of travel time. They don't play the Bulls until tomorrow. But their last four games are two back to backs. They play tomorrow and then Wednesday and then Saturday Sunday. They have a ton of time off between those games. But um, the Nets are the one team who really probably doesn't care about seeding. So I, I do think there's still a chance the Bucks get to two. I kind of agree with you, but I also, I would bet that one, two, three stays as they are now. Cause I just don't know what we've seen from the Bucks over these last three games where again, they gave up 400 points in three games to three teams that are all under 500 right now. That makes you think they're going to go four and oh the rest of the way. I would guess roughly two and two over the last four for Milwaukee which means the Nets would have to lose three times, which is probably asking for a little bit too much. However, however, this was an embarrassment, like we mentioned. They usually respond well to that. They usually do. Like, this is a team that takes a lot of pride in itself. And given they haven't really shown that that much this season in terms of taking all, every single loss is super serious. But again, they're they're human beings. <laughs> like you, you don't want to get a run off a court, especially when you're supposed to be a title contender. So let's see how well they actually respond to this. Again, like we're upset about how they lost to the Spurs. Not that they just lost, but how they lost. Yes, that's an important distinction. Let's see how they respond. Yeah, uh, if that first half against Orlando sucks, I'm going to be. Gravely disappointed. Um, so Justin pointed this out in the chat and said, I think the Nets care more than we think. It's I'm not saying that their players actually don't care. I, I should have clarified this. They're just not going to have their guys healthy. Like they're, and they're certainly not going to prioritize a seeding difference versus health. Like they, more than any other team, are just struggling to actually field all of their core players at one time. And probably they're not going to do that until the playoffs. And that's what I mean by care. Like you're not rushing back anybody just to make sure you get in these last few games. Like, I just think it's beyond a hundred percent. I got to stop doing this thing where I say it's done and it's not done, but I feel very strongly be more accurate. I feel very strongly that they're going to be without one or two of their big three for like at least half their games, if not all of their last games, just because there's back to backs and everything else. Like they're just not going to run these guys too hard given especially KD the you know what he's coming back from and everything else. So that's what I meant by that for the Nets. Like they just they 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 can only ramp it up so much. But yeah, so that that's the top end of the bracket. I think we covered it pretty succinctly. I mean, the Bucks have to be flawless and get help to get the 2 seed. If they're flawed the rest of the way, they need the Nets to be really really flawed, which could happen. They've dropped some inexplicable games as you mentioned, and they're 5 and 5 in their last 10, but Let's just pretend the Bucks are going to be three for now. Rohan, take us through four, five, and most importantly, six. Are the Bucks almost certainly going to see Miami if they end at three? So currently in fourth place is the New York Knickerbockers. I don't know why I said that. It's a great uh, name, I think. I think they should go by Knickerbockers, personally. I think it's a, like, why? Like, what kind New of, York pants. Yeah, what? I don't, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and in five is Atlanta, which is honestly insane. <laughs> like, just, just think about that out of context. The four or five matchup right now in the East is the Knicks and the Hawks. 
That's incredible. But I, I don't think anybody would have ever guessed that at the no. start of the season, that those two teams would be – I would have thought Indiana would be up there, Boston and Miami for sure. Like it is props to those teams for being there at this point in the season. Especially obviously. Atlanta. Like they fired their coach. They were down so bad. That's, oh, that's a great – yeah. they Well, but really though, realistically – They were injured. Yeah, they were just beat up and it was, it was tab FTC. Things are bad. Fire the coach. Yeah. So currently 4-5 is uh, Knicks-Hawks. Both have 38 wins. Uh, Knicks have 30 losses. Hawks have 31. Miami, 37-31. and So looking at Miami's schedule the rest of the way, they are playing the Celtics tomorrow, which is, again, looking a little bit easier after uh, Jalen Brown's injury. And even pre-Jalen Brown injury, they just blew the doors off the the Celtics. Uh, Then they play the Sixers, the Bucks and the Pistons. That's not an easy schedule to say the least. Again, Boston might be a little easier. Philly and Milwaukee are not easy matchups. But you know what, though? What are the chances? That is the second. Oh, no, it's not. Excuse me. It's not the second. It's the first half of a back-to-back for the Sixers. So they might play just to get that. That'll be their last real game. Their end of their schedule is Pacers, Miami, Orlando, Orlando. Um, so I could see them trying even if they clinch the one seed in that game. But, well, it's it's TBD. But I, I wouldn't pencil the Sixers in to not be trying in that game. For sure. Who knows? They might want to get some tune-up before the regular season – or before the postseason starts, excuse me. Yeah. Wild concept. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, again, they don't have a very easy schedule the rest of the way, which makes it a little more difficult for them to move up especially considering uh, Atlanta has the Wizards, who are good now, apparently. Uh, And then they have the Magic and the Rockets. So, you know, not an insanely difficult schedule. And then when you see the Knicks, they have the Spurs, again, allegedly easy, Uh, the Hornets, and the Celtics now without Jalen Brown. Again, Miami's schedule is the most difficult of those three by far. They have a lot. They do have ground to make up. I won't say a lot of ground. They're one game back in the win column, but it's very difficult for them to move up in this short period of time. I I even missed the Knicks. Have the 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 Knicks do have the Lakers uh, tomorrow, so we'll see. We'll see who plays. I don't believe LeBron is playing in that game. No, I think he's trying to come back for that now. Is he? Oh. Knicks for clicks, Bron. <laughs> is he either here or the Garden? With him and Dwayne Wade. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, so uh, also it's worth noting Miami does have the tiebreaker over the Knicks. Um, if all three of them tie in, in record, the Knicks will be six, though. Um, Miami would move up to five in that scenario. So New York has the uh, Hawks tiebreaker. Atlanta has the Heat tiebreaker. And the Heat have the Knicks tiebreaker. Um, so – a lot at play still with those three teams. Certainly going to be tough sledding for both the Knicks and the Heat. I will say I would not even be shocked at this point if the Knicks just won all four of these games. Like They are having that kind of an incredible FU season and just proving everybody wrong. And I would, I would totally welcome it. I want the Knicks in the four seed. I want the Knicks in the second round. I'm not one of those like the NBA oh is better goodness. when the Knicks Can are Can you imagine people. if the Knicks beat the Sixers? No, but I would be here for it. But I'm not. I'm not even like a. It's not because they're the Knicks. It, to me, it's like 
because feel good story. Yeah, it's like the guys on the Knicks this year, like Julius Randle building himself into this kind of player, R.J. Barrett taking all that criticism, getting way better. Hell, even Tibbs, who people were like, ice, ice, out of the league, is like really good all of a sudden and probably should be coach of the year. Like, it's been an incredible story. So happy for the Knicks. Um, but yeah. Also, uh, before I forget, RIP yeah. to the Raptors. I'm not even going to – I can't even enjoy this tonight. Oh, I can, 100%. Officially eliminated from playoff contention uh, with a amazing record of 27 and 41. Just just amazing. Round round of applause to the Toronto Raptors. Just just fantastic. Masai, welcome to Milwaukee, man. Or just anywhere besides Toronto. Have fun. 32% chance at a top four pick is what they get for this terrible season. Yeah, and they're probably going to, you know, probably pick like 14th or something. <laughs> I think that one is pretty impossible. It, I, I'm just, I'm not going to celebrate anything until post lottery because I just, I can feel some shenanigans with the lottery this nah. year. That's all I'm going to say. I'm just going to leave it for now. That's it's your zone. I'll let you occupy, occupy that zone. But all this to say, the who the Bucks will be facing in the first round is still pretty up for grabs. Even if you assume they finish three, it's really just going to depend. But if the Knicks and Hawks finish strong. And the Celtics, uh, excuse me, not the Celtics, they they suck. But uh, if the Heat <laughs> have some bumps along the way, it will probably be the Miami Heat. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we touched on this a little bit earlier. Not feeling super great about that, the prospect of that happening. Not really, especially uh, when they still do have uh, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo who are both playing at uh, all defense levels and Jimmy, especially at all NBA levels. Like <laughs> my goodness, uh, this team definitely is not as scary as the one last year. They just don't have the personnel that they did last year. Um, however, Goran Dragic is starting to come along a little bit. Uh, and also Milwaukee's personnel is different. We should say that. So again, I do think this will probably, if this is meant to happen and it probably will happen as we just detailed, I still think the Bucks win pretty convincingly. It's just, it's not like I'm feeling less confident about it as the days go on. Yeah, and I think you know Miami it, Dragic for me is a huge thing for them. I mean, he just he looked slow and and pretty bad for a lot of the year. I've I've definitely heard that he's been rounding in the form. I know Deadman's been really good for them since they got him. Who was just it, sitting around, by the way. Yeah, when did was he on the shelf all season? Yeah. What the hell? Like how how does that even happen? I don't know. Pat Riley magic. I just assumed he was bad because I just hadn't heard anything. But ugh, Justin in the chat, unfortunately, despite the different rosters, it is the same two coaches. Yeah, that's a big concern. We talked a lot about Steve Kerr, Doc River, or not Steve Kerr, Steve Nash. I got my former point guard head coaches confused. Uh, we talked a lot, of, though, about Steve Nash and, and Doc Rivers not really having a huge coaching advantage over the Bucks, but then Spolstra does, and that's yeah. that, that we've seen that be problematic in the past. Yeah, quick little uh, Steve Nash sidetrack, by the way. Remember when, uh, not remember, like the Bucks were playing the Nets in the net, like in Milwaukee. Uh, Steve Nash was actually playing tennis at Marquette's rec center. And a couple of my buddies went and like actually met Steve Nash. Really? Yeah. I feel like he's pretty chill. 
No, he seemed pretty chill. He had a bodyguard with him, and he was just like taking pictures of people. Nice guy. Well, like when you don't let the rigors of coaching get to your mental health because you just seemingly don't care that much and don't do all that much, it's probably a way better job. Yeah, he's just out there playing tennis. He's fun. just vibing. He's just like, you know what? What do you th- what do you think we should do, Kyrie? Why not? <laughs> he's like that cool teacher in high school that like everybody likes, but the test scores are way worse if for his classes versus the that that one is not hyper specific for me. That one I don't really relate to. But um, a good yeah, question. It is, oh. it is the same two two coaches to bring it back, which is a concern. Yeah, it's just. You know, I I'm starting to lose steam for my our, our shared the Bucks will get out of the East takes from the last pods, which seems ridiculous. Just a week later, and maybe they will just step it up again. I just I don't like the lackadaisical nature between challenges. I just don't feel like that's the right way to go. If they play that intense style and they're fully ready to play that for four straight playoff series, or at least from the beginning in the playoffs, I'll say. I do think they have a chance to beat just about anyone, but I don't know, man. I just feel like does it does it matter that they're so lackadaisical? I guess it might not matter, but it certainly could matter. I think is where I fall on this. For sure, for sure. Uh, I, I think you were getting to this. We do have a question in the chat: Should the Bucks start Tucker so that Tucker can play thirty plus minutes? As don't see Dante and Pat defending any good player in the playoffs. I don't think they should start Tucker. I re- I really don't because he's not someone who's going to be playing that many that much minutes like starter minutes. However, we have talked about how he's going to probably be a guy who's out there closing game, which in our opinion we've detailed is way more important than who starts the game. Like he should be out there to finish games unless it's like a terrible matchup, foul trouble, you know, extraneous uh, circumstances. It's I think he should finish games. He should probably be playing around starter minutes, but he I doubt he really needs to start games. Yeah, I think I prefer him coming off the bench at this point, but maybe just quicker and certainly want him closing games. But you could probably talk me into him starting. I mean, I think he's going to play between 30 and 35 minutes in the average playoff game. I mean, if if not then, then, then never. I mean, unless he's physically unable, but I, I would imagine he's going to be ready to be out there for at least that many minutes. So I don't know. I You could talk me into almost anybody starting over Dante. Just sure, because but of, you also – you don't need to wear him out. I mean, I, I mean the, the points you score and allow at the beginning of the game count too, though. Yeah, this – San Antonio game was a perfect example of that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and this is actually a pretty solid Dante game. But I don't, I don't – I see I'm leaning no, but I don't know if I have a great reason why I'm, I'm leaning no on Tucker starting. I, I guess – I don't I, – I, I think I'd rather see a more conventional player out there in the starting lineup than Tucker at this so point. So, like, would you start Giannis, Tucker, and Brooke? I, I assume that's the like that's I, just, I guess, that's way too big. I, I guess the you I don't I don't I'm not want to you know assume what what Deepak thought potentially could be thinking that you know you just start small with Lopez on the bench. I don't know if I really like that either. And again, it's just so matchup dependent. But I think I, I like keeping Tucker as the reserve Swiss Army knife who comes in there later. Although. I think if, you know, game one comes around and you just get torched with Lopez out there in a given series, maybe you should investigate then making that move going forward. I think that is the kind of reactive thing that we've preached. 
Yeah, for sure. Like it's all matchup dependent. Like I've talked about how this should be a this a big like a front court by committee. Yeah, and just it, it'll it'll heavily depend on what matchups. I wouldn't go to it right away, but if something you know makes that necessary, yeah, sure, go for it. I just I wouldn't start with it. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I, I think a quick hook is just better. I would still not mind seeing maybe Bryn Forbes start for Dante. Although again, Dante did play fairly well, actually pretty dang well uh, in this game. Uh, Deepak clarified Tucker for Dante because I don't see Tucker playing more than Dante the way things are going. So a Drew, Chris, Giannis, PJ, Brooks starting lineup. That is a little too big. Like Chris is going to get blown by by quicker twos in that situation. I guess you'd have some backline help, but again, it's. I feel like it'll be a little too big. Yeah, I mean, well, you'd really you you can put Drew and and Tucker on the two most dangerous perimeter players. Giannis probably playing free safety. Chris on the perimeter player that's least dangerous. So, like, if it's Miami, probably Duncan Robinson. Then Giannis is on Ariza and Brooke Lopez is on Bam Adebayo. I mean, I don't think it's untenable, but I slightly. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't if, think it's worth the risk unless unless something really bad happens. That's what I'm like. I I agree with you on that. If like something happens and they need to react in that situation, yes, go for it. I am all for reactivity, all for adaptability. I just wouldn't go out there as that's your base scheme. I also I do think I kind of like one of like the trio we've talked about before, and really just the duo. If we're looking at size as much of like Dante or Forbes as the starter, because I think both of those guys have way more offensive upside than PJ Tucker. I mean, PJ Tucker is probably going to score less than ten points in the majority of his playoff games with the Milwaukee Bucks, which is fine. He wasn't brought in to score points, but I think you know get that early look at one of Dante or Forbes, and if one of those guys is like on then you just know that and you can roll with them for the game, right? Like, you know, when Forbes is on, he's just going to start making every single three. And then it's like, okay, this could change a game for us. Same with Dante. If Dante is taking the right gambles and finishing layups, he finished a couple layups in this game and actually just one. because he only made one, two point shot. So never the mind. The bar is the floor. Absolutely. The floor one for one on layups. Da- great game for Dante DiVincenzo, but um, <laughs> three for eight from three is pretty solid too. Eight for eight threes for Dante is a ton of threes, by the way. But uh, if Dante looks on most I think on the team, most attempts of the team, Th- something about that just feels wrong. Brooke Lopez with as many as Drew Holiday is the Brooke Lopez offensive experience is not one I enjoyed uh, in this game. But speaking of individual players, should we uh, should we get to our stocks here? Yes, should- I was leaning towards this. Let's let's get into it. Let's go through. We're doing this live now. We're kind of switching up our approach to the stocks. Less trading, more just stock talk. Let us know how you think about that. Is on Twitter at Ty Winish, at Arcadi Jr. at Eurostep Podcast or in the chat if you're still rocking with us late on this Monday night on Locker Room. But where do you want to start in this stock talk? Well, let's just we were talking about Dante, so let's go with uh, let's start there. Weird game. Like, it was probably one of his better games in recent history. Uh, man just, you know, put up 12 points on four of nine shooting, which is, you know, good good for Dante. Uh, <laughs> three of eight from three. He did make the most threes on the team. Again, attempted the most threes as well. But, you know, 
any game where Dante makes three threes is a win in my book. I don't know. Did manage to have six big boy rebounds as usual, six assists. He did have a block in there, which uh, DeJounte Murray thought it was a foul, but whatever. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I'm feeling about this. It, I think it might oh, up. I, th- I, I thought it, it was good. Yeah, I thought he was good. He didn't miss any bunnies, shot a good percentage from threes. I didn't remember remember too many terrible gambles. Six assists, six boards, led the team in assists, co-led with Drew. I'll give him the up. Everyone says we're too hard on Dante, and that's not really influencing this, but it's just proof that it's wrong. Dante deserves the up stock. Solid game in an otherwise just pretty abysmal sea of ugh. That is that is a perfect encapsulation of the Dante DiVincenzo experience. Um, let's. Uh, I don't. Want, I'll, I'll. We'll save the best for last. How about that? Okay. Um, who's next? Let's go. Uh, let's go, Bobby Portis. This Yikes. is tough. The, well, I had him penciled in for a downstock, and he played out of his mind in garbage time. So, how do we want to approach this? It wasn't great in the minutes that mattered. Like, sure, he can get steals and open uncontested dunks against the Spurs beat, like, end-of-the-bench squad. Sure. I, it just wasn't great. I Are you leaning down? Yeah. Justin says down, too. I do think we'll, we're going to – we're really in with Bud. I think that'll be interesting. But, like, was he dropping again? Why was he, why is he ever dropping orange zone? Like, we know the one thing that Bobby Portis – is at least like solid at defensively. It's not either. It's switching. That's what he should always be doing. Anytime he does anything else, it just gets really bad. And it got really bad in this game. He had, it felt like it, like 10 of his shots got blocked in this game. Yeah. I, I think I agree that the play that mattered, he was very bad. I'm comfortable with the Drew downstop. Eubanks was bullying him. Drew Eubanks bullying the Bucks like I got a migraine on the spot immediately. Like I was listening to the Spurs broadcast of this game. Don't ask why, uh, but it was they were they were talking about how uh, how Bobby Portis is just a bruiser for the Bucks, just a just an enforcer, a great presence down low defensively. I was like, okay. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> you know what? If that's the if that's the aura he's given off, that's more, more power to the Bucks. Uh, uh, except it, not it did tonight. not show. It did no. not show. Tonight. No, it did not. Um, I'm thinking no down. move. I'm oh, for down. oh for Dante or for Bobby. Excuse me, for Bobby down. I agree. Um, yeah, we're gonna go with that. I'm thinking no movement for any of the garbage time crew. Yeah. You could maybe talk to me in a Teague, but just we're going to use garbage. We're going to throw out garbage time in this one, so we're not going to say it. Let's have the Teague discussion quickly in the midst of this. Um, <laughs> a message in the chat. I'm, I'm not going to read it. I'm not going to read it, um, but a message in the chat just made me laugh. But um, let's not worry about that. Um, Jeff Teague, I don't know if we want to say in the doghouse, but I think we can say out of the rotation. Does not play until garbage time, but does play – so clearly he's not hurt or anything or getting a day off in a game where, you know, Dante plays 26, P.J. Tucker plays 21, uh, Bobby Portis plays 16. Some of that was garbage time. Bryn Forbes plays 21. I think most glaringly, Pat Connaughton plays 18 and is home for four in his 18 minutes. We'll get to Pat. I'm a little concerned that Teague just seems to be out of the rotation a little bit. And it's it's weird, like, 
was there something going on behind the scenes? Because it didn't seem like it was realistically on court production that really put him in the doghouse. No, Unless I feel I'm like, missing something. I feel like his he's looked worse, but it's been since he was basically taken out of steady minutes. Like I thought when he was getting solid minutes every night, I thought he looked really good. And since he's been playing less consistent minutes, I think that's been part of why he hasn't looked nearly as good lately, but I don't understand it. I mean, we've talked about how important it is to have that secondary ball handler when Drew Holiday's on the court. And right now there's that guy just doesn't exist. Like it's like one of Giannis or Chris or both just has to be the ball handler or Dante when Drew is not there. And that's not awful, but it's not optimal either. Like, it's just so much nicer to see the offense get set up by someone who can set the table. And that's Teague. And it's just weird to me that he's now become a garbage time guy the same year when there was all this Tory Craig weirdness. But I don't think Craig had ever, like, proven himself on this team the way that Teague has. So for it to happen to Teague now, to me, is even stranger. It really is. So knowing this uh, this coaching staff, there's there's two possibilities. Well, there's more than two, but here are the two I'm going to outline here. One, Jeff Teague uh, was invited to Mike Budenholzer's new condo and spilled a drink all over his new carpet. <laughs> two, he is saving Jeff Teague so he can start in the playoffs. Oh my God! What if uh, what if Teague? was supposed to donate to a certain political campaign oh in Wisconsin and didn't. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Honestly, you you never know. I know. I don't think any players have. Um, it, that it, we yeah. Have yeah, that we did. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, but if you don't know what we're talking about, just don't worry about it and yeah, enjoy <laughs> enjoy normal Bucks fandom. Um, but if you, if you know, you know, yeah. anyway, yeah. So Teague not getting an up or down stock, but we're, we're a little concerned. Um, uh, I, I think he, I mean, I, I'm a pet Condon defender. I think Teague should play over Condon. I just think he's better and, and it's more of a, a positional need for the bucks at this point, but, uh, we're at where we're at. Like, I think getting Tucker should have been really bad for Thanasis's minutes, which it has been. And for Pat's minutes, like, I just don't view him as a smaller wing, but that's where he's playing and another bad game. We're talking about Pat, 18 minutes, 0 for 4 from the field, 0 for 3 from deep, 6 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 2 fouls. Yeah, I feel like just a down stock. I mean, yeah, it's just a, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. I just, I, I love that Pat Constant, ever since we did a podcast saying it's not Pat Constant's fault, has absolutely decided to make it his fault. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Pat. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, I think we're just seeing a little bit of regression. I, but, I mean, this, but this all, game yeah. wasn't his fault. But In all seriousness, though, like, it's just, this is what the Pat problem is. Like, he will do the normal stuff he does. If his shot is falling, he looks so much better. If yeah. his shot is not falling, he looks pretty bad. And his shot is not falling right now. Uh, 0 for 4 for this game, 0 of 3 from 3. Didn't manage to pull in 6 boards, but... Yeah. It just it needs to be a quick yank guy, and he didn't get yanked quick enough in this game. Exactly, like it's a, it's a short spurts kind of thing, not extended minutes, especially when you're not shooting the ball that well. It's again, it'll probably be fixed when he, you know, his threes are going in, his deep threes like that provides more gravity. Like he's taking deeper and deeper threes. Like he takes the deepest threes on this team even more than Bryn Forbes. Like that adds value, especially when they're falling. It's just not falling right now. And I really think with him, he's looked worse since Tucker like got back healthy just because I'm convinced 
he just looks a lot better when he can guard more forwards. I know PJ will just guard like plus players anyway, but the Bucks are just a lot bigger. PJ will than just they guard anyone. Be. Yeah, but the, I mean the Bucks are just bigger than they used to be, right? Like you're starting Giannis and Brooke Lopez, and now Tucker and Portis are two of the most called upon bench players. That's a ton of minutes at the four and five, especially given how much Giannis is going to play. Pat is just playing smaller now, and I just don't think he's as good at it. So down stock tonight. Hopefully the, the shooting bounces back. Let's continue the bench spree. Bryn Forbes. I thought this was probably neutral. Yeah, I think it's a push. Two for three from deep is nice, but they got blown out. He only took four total shots. They lost his minutes by 10. He get, he did get a tribute video, though. It, that's true. That's true. He gets a uh, an emotional upstock, but not an actual one. That was incredible. <laughs> the Bryn Forbes review video. It's just iconic. Yeah, I think my question of our tribute videos going too far, I think was answered tonight. Was that's it, no disrespect. Was to it Forbes. Dwight Howard who got a Charlotte or Atlanta, whatever team he was on? Uh, I think he was on both, but I think he got an Atlanta one. No, like from which team he got a tribute video from. No, yeah, I thought it was Atlanta. I, I don't remember. I thought it, it, it'd be funny if the Hawks did it as a joke, and I feel like the Hawks team is pretty funny. Um, yeah, but <laughs> the mellow jersey that's iconic. Yeah, um, <laughs> the Bucks not giving DJ Augustine a tribute video was called. Yeah, it's the disrespect, the un, unmitigated disrespect. Um, one more bench player, PJ Tucker. I don't know. I think neutral. It looks like a yeah. pretty bad game statistically, but I don't know. It's it's fine. I don't think he looked bad. I don't think he looked good. Just a push. You know what? He didn't foul in 21 minutes. That is a monumentous accomplishment for P.J. Tucker, given the whistle he's gotten this season. I think that alone should keep him at the push. For sure. For sure. It did hit a corner three, you know. Missed a wide open one. But whatever. Super. It, he kind of waited it's a, a it's second. A yeah. yeah it's Hesitated. A Wasn't in rhythm. But yeah. yeah, so that's is that it for the for the bench mob? Yes, it is. That's the bench mob. Brooke Let's Lopez. Go. Yes, Brooke Lopez. So you mentioned earlier not the the Brooke Lopez offensive experience is not your cup of tea. Why is that Ty? Just because like it's it feels kind of Dante to me. Like just in the way of like I don't agree with a lot of the choices that are being made even if they're going to work out sometimes. And I do think some of the Brooke Lopez offensive explosions just feels a little bit like found money to me from time to time. And tonight was an example of like, what if all of these contested ish threes and twirling around floater things that are not just like, you can't rely on making a lot of those every game, like any shot that's far away from the rim and not super wide open Unless you're like DeMar DeRozan from the mid-range level good in that area, you just can't rely on that Speaking shot going in of DeMar DeRozan, Brooke Lopez did poster DeMar. He did. There were moments. There were flashes. But four for ten from the field, one for five from three. One of his threes, like, he was open and he pump faked and just didn't move at all. And then he wasn't open and then he shot it. And I just think that is the perfect late-stage Brooke Lopez play of just like – he learned that from Chris Middleton. Except Chris makes them. Like, his shot selection is just too much for me. I, it's somewhere between a downstock and a push. I, I want to hear your thoughts, but I think I, it might be. I think it might be. It's tough. Like, I, I'm leaning down, but it's also like just looking at the numbers. It's not terrible. 
No. Like, the offense was pretty bad. He had a couple blocks. He didn't get torched more than anyone else on the Bucks got torched, I think is probably why I'm leaning push. Like, this wasn't, to me, uh, oh, they're they're just destroying Brooke Lopez. This was like, they're just abusing everyone on the Bucks. So I think he's yeah, not sure. doing... they They were particularly abusing the Bobby Portis matchup. They weren't really doing that with Brooke. And we gave Bobby a down. Yeah. So are we thinking neutral? I think we're. I think it's a push. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, who's next? Uh, let's go. Let's go, Drew. Hmm. So Drew in nearly thirty-one minutes tonight puts up twenty points, nine of fourteen shooting, two of five from three, six assists. Just, I think this might be enough. I thought he played well. No. No. No, I'm not feeling it. I mean. Again, like I want to see more than 14 shots in 31 minutes, especially if the team's getting blown out. Like I wish he would have just taken a little bit more control of the offense. And six assists is fine, but it's not like a ton, right? Like it's not like every single possession was ending with him shooting no free throws. So six assists and 14 shots means 20 possessions ended in a, a Drew Holiday assist or a shot attempt, which 20 possessions is not a ton in 31 minutes. I mean – Brooke Lopez got off 10 shots in 23 minutes and had no assist. But. I, will, uh, I will say that's not a great way of looking at it because you, uh, you're assuming that uh, the shots, when they pass out of it, always go in, which lead to an assist. No, I, I just I said they ended an assist or a, a shot attempt. I didn't say that he didn't pass to more shots than that. I mean, look how everyone was shooting. Like, you know, you're Drew Holiday and you see that pretty much no shooters on the Bucks are doing well outside of Forbes. Maybe don't pass off as much and just go score. I mean, he made one of the worst turnovers I've seen in a while, which is yeah. saying something, considering yeah. he's had a ton. But he – and he only had two in the game, so I'm not going to you know just tear him apart for that one. But it's every. I felt like every time he goes inside to play bully ball, he basically scores. And he only missed, I think, what, two shots from, uh, from two in this game? Like, I, it was a fine game. It wasn't a bad game. But I'm not going to give an upstock when – you know, you just like kind of, you know, playing my game, doing what I do, and the Bucks get blown out. Like, it just, it wasn't, it's hard for me to give an upstock to one of the best three guys when they get blown out like this. And none of them That's, are like exceptional. That's fair. That's fair. So we'll stick with the push there then. Yeah. Okay, um, let's, let's go Giannis. I think the same. Yeah. Yeah, I like, think the same. I, it's shooting damn near 70% from the field. Six no no turnovers. Field. Yeah, no turnovers. 28 points, four assists, and only three rebounds, uh, given the Spurs weren't really missing. But uh, <laughs> it's tough. Like, those are below his averages? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a push. Um, Which is but, wild. Again, yeah, it's really that's wild. That's insane. And you know what's funny is like I I really kept thinking during this game like they're doing such a tremendous job of walling Giannis and and doing really well at that and he still ends up with twenty eight points on eleven for fourteen shooting from two yeah. <laughs> like like the, he does the that well and I, had the they had the same thought like one of them was saying like oh yeah they're doing a great job like uh, Lonnie Walker's doing a great job on Giannis tonight they're giving him fits and it's just like. Well, I mean, he does have like uh, 20 plus points. But he also has a team worst minus 22 plus minus. And again, it's noisy. It doesn't tell you everything. But I think it do- it always means something to me when uh, with your best player on the floor, you have a dramatic plus minus either way, right? Like 
the Bucks lost 29 minutes of Giannis by 22 points. It's going to be super hard to win any game where that's the case. So certainly some truth in the Spurs handling him at least well enough on offense. Like, you know, if you're really dominating as an offensive player, you can probably keep that number close in most games. Giannis was, you know, quietly great, but I, he didn't take over this game really at any point. And I think, you know, it showed and not saying the loss is on him, but also wasn't the kind of performance for me to give him an upstock, but also not a downstock. I think it's a, another push. Yeah, it's a, it's a Giannis game. Like this, there's a reason his stock price is so high. Yeah, exactly. He's he's freaky on the court yeah. and in the sheets, <laughs> the spreadsheets. Yeah, uh, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton. I don't tw- care what. Uh, just I don't care what you're saying. Chris is getting an up. Really? I do care what you say, but also I want I want him to get an up. Why? He was actually aggressive, and that's what we wanted to see for him. how long. For as long as they were actually, you know, remaining semi-competitive. How many? How he, many points in the first half? In the first half. Need you to pull it up. So I thought it was 20? 17 in the first half. So six second half points. Yeah, when he played, you know, less than 14 minutes and was three of five from the field. Mm. He's getting it up. Like, he actually he did what we've been wanting him to do. He was aggressive. He, he was, out there, dunk, he was out there dunking on Spurs. Like, come on. Like, he, he did what we wanted him to do. Like, you can't really put the rest of it on him. Giannis was taking a lot of shots in the second half. Like he he did take like he was tied with Drew or excuse me, he was third. Bobby Portis took a lot of shots. But classic. Yeah, a lot of it was garbage time. But yeah. You know, like he did what we wanted him to do. Like I don't know what else we could ask for. Like, I'll give was, you this a, was a good this was a good Chris Middleton game. I'll give you an upstock. The Chad is saying two upstocks. No way. I'll give you I'll give you an upstock. No, I feel like it's very I feel like it's deserved. Yeah, like I, 10 I think it's deserved. from the field. Like he was just he was missing his threes. He only missed threes. Like he was I, two of seven from three. I just didn't like the second half drop off. That was my biggest reservation. And that was knew- when the game was already like surely out of hand. Yeah, I mean they were all still out. The starters were still out there until the midpoint in the fourth quarter, though. Yeah, and even then he he again three of five from the field. Like he can't take shots when he doesn't have the ball. Like he was being aggressive when he got the ball, he was putting them up. Like this is this is what we've been wanting from Chris Middleton. I thought this was a great game. This I was one I, of the I, this was this one of the better game. games we've seen from him in terms of mentality, and that's what's important for me. Sold upstock fine. I I had, I'm triple checking here. Joe in the chat, the corpse of Jakob Purtle had more assists. Is what I saw the first time I saw this comment. That's all I saw, and I thought it was going to end with Brooke Lopez. I look again, had more assists than Drew. I look at the box score. I had missed this. Yak Pirtle had eight assists in this game? Yeah. He almost triple-doubled. Yep. What? Yak Pirtle dominated the Bucks, man. 34 minutes, nine points, 10 rebounds, eight assists, one steal, three blocks, no turnovers, plus 27. You know, I kept seeing him make a play, like either a block or dish it out, full inside-out basketball. I was like, hey, he's having a nice little game. Did not expect eight assists. Holy hell, they got him on a bargain deal, man. Always liked Jakob Pertl, but wow, I mean, have yourself a game. Kawhi, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, that's, I'm not saying it was oh, – <laughs> like... I, I meant contract deal. Okay, I know. I'm just pointing Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not that part of the deal. That part was not good. 
Um, but just dollar, salary cap wise, I thought it was a, a not a great deal for him. I thought it was a good deal for the Spurs. But wow, uh, it's not not great when Yak Pertle is distributing better than anyone on the Bucks. But it really was one of those games. Yeah, for sure. It was a. This was such a weird game. The Bucks and Spurs always play weird. Like, remember when uh, there was the bat? Yes. Didn't, was that was it? Did Manu catch it, or was that a different thing? No, Manu was retired. Man. He, uh, well, he, there was a Manu bat moment, though. Yeah, wasn't that was there? like ten years ago. Oh, okay. Sorry, <laughs> this was like two years ago. Time, come on. Uh, no, that's when the coyote caught it. Oh. <laughs> What the hell is no going one, on? In, no, what is no going on focus. in San Antonio? Oh yeah, no, they do it on purpose. That's that's my theory. They do it for the memes, so the coyote can go out there and catch it. But it was funny because the bat showed up right after Giannis went over Pirtle's head to like throw a putback jam down, and like no one cared because there was a bat. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't that wasn't in San Antonio also that like the it got super hot and they like heated out LeBron like his. Something's oh, going yeah. on in, in the Alamo Dome or whatever the hell it's called these days. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, um, I forgot. We have two more stock decisions here as we close. Okay. So Mike where do you want to go? Okay. So I'm excited to see what the second one is. Uh, Mike Budenholzer down. Yeah. I, You know, I've seen people call for 10. I think down 10 is probably a little extreme. Yeah. <sighs> That's manipulating the market. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, it is. Um, I could see too, based on the argument that like the team not being ready to play is partially on him, but I think I'm more comfortable with one. I think one. Like again, we have to realize that a lot of this loss was San Antonio. Like, yeah, but again, like allowed to get hot because of the Bucks' laissez-faire defense early yeah, on. Yeah, sure, but that's not entirely the Bucks. So I'm saying one for sure. Like this was not yeah, a great yeah, fucking. For sure. Yeah. Like, don't don't get me wrong here. Like, this was not great. Yeah, the zone defense, Justin saying in the chat. The zone defense, they need to retire. I've been saying this. Oh, they, they need they to really keep trying did. things. Did you, did the, you the zone the flex sucks. Tape meme I posted? Oh, you got nice. I love a flex tape meme. That's awesome. No, I didn't. I'm going to have to go find it after the pod. But, um, yeah, no, the zone defense is just like, they just play it out. They put it out there, I feel like, when they're getting shellacked. And every single time. It just leads to them getting shellacked more. The zone sucks. Throw away the zone. Yeah, especially with the personnel sometimes they have out here. It's like, why? The 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 Spurs broadcast was ripping them to shreds. They're like, oh, this zone defense has a lot of holes in it. They really need to work on this. I'm telling you, you would put up 15. I'm telling you. Hey, let's. Hey, hey, I don't want to ruffle any feathers here, but <laughs> I, I, I got some freak ones ready to lace up. Oh, there we go. The best freak so far. Uh, so, yeah, Bud Downstock uh, for the zone and letting the Spurs get hot, but not entirely his fault. The players should also just played better. That would have been helpful. But, again, some of that is tied inextricably to Bud in my estimation. The second thing is John Horst, who maybe listened to us, dumped Karuk's, and signed oh, yeah. Elijah Bryant from Maccabi Tel Aviv. Here's the thing. Yet? No, it's <laughs> not. So May 8th, Shams, the Bucks are planning to wave forward Karuks and signing guard Elijah Bryant to a two-year deal. Sources tell The Athletic and at Stadium. I checked NBA transactions and have not seen it. Um, I saw, at least on the ESPN box score, they still have Karuks listed. Yeah, I don't, he's, obviously, he's still on the roster. 
Yeah, so it's 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 not official so, yet. So yeah, here's we're not thing. doing it. We're not doing it until it's official. Yeah. So there is this uh, reporting on Euro Hoops. Uh, yeah, that came before Chance too. Yeah, yes. originally had the scoop. They list. They reported the interest between Elijah Bryan and the Bucks uh, a couple days ago, and they were saying that it's a little complicated because uh, Tel Aviv. Like, he he was playing for Maccabi Tel Aviv, right? I, I'm yes. just making that up. They are currently in the race for their own domestic cups, titles, uh, stuff like that. And Elijah Bryant, very important player for them. So uh, they, they're not going to give him up, especially considering in his contract, uh, this is all reported again, Euro Hoops, that he did not have an NBA opt-out in his contract. So he would have to negotiate a buyout, and the Bucks are allocated $750,000 to pay for that buyout. And... Uh, to, uh, Maccabi Tel Aviv won every single penny of that. Who knows if that actually got worked out? I'd assume it would have if he said he was planning to sign with the uh, with the Bucks. That Shams has been wrong about Bucks matters before. If there's everyone's another, been wrong about Bucks matters because another, who knows what goes on with the Milwaukee Bucks front office and their leaks. How many times does this have to happen? Ty? I don't know why I'm getting my, on my soapbox right now, but if this falls through. I am done with this. I will believe zero reporting that comes out about the Milwaukee Bucks. If it's if Shams tweets that the Bucks won the title, I will not believe it until I see them with the trophy. <laughs> the Bucks are like the worst thing to happen to the integrity of the news media. Like since 2016. And that's really saying something. A lot has happened. <laughs> But I think the Bucks, like leading the way, if you're a Bucks fan, you just like you just can't trust any any reporting. It's bad. It's an issue. You should be able to trust reporting. Usually, I would always advocate to do that. Advocate to do that when from a reliable source. But when it comes to the Bucks, all, all bets are off. Um, a fun nugget regarding Elijah Bryant and the buyout and everything else. So I hit up uh, Aram. I think it's Aram. I can't remember. Uh, Aram Palamudian, a uh, friend of the show who helps us out with cap stuff from time to time. So it, the number changes daily, but it'd be something around $100,000 on the apron and tax. If they sign him for this season, it goes down, I think, by about $11,000 a day. So it might even be less than $100,000 now. So this would be, Justin says, only trust the Euro step. 100% correct. Don't Facts. trust anyone else. Don't trust anyone else. But so if the if the Bucks had to pay 750 k to buy him out. And also that does not count against um, the Bucks books. You can go up to that amount for a buyout in any one season. So anything above that is fine. So if they pay 750,000, that is coincidentally or not the amount the Bucks could pay without more tax implications, but they could end up paying like 10 times more for the international buyout than they would actually be paying Elijah Bryant this season. Actually, they're like already there. The tax hit will be could be to a point where it's ten times less, but he will actually make from the bucks like seventy thousand or something. But they'd be giving up seven hundred and fifty thousand to the club for the right to sign him, which I just think is a funny, weird little quirk and has to be if this really happens one of the largest disparities in that direction for an international player acquisition, right? Because normally you get somebody and it's like you know, a Saric or a, you know, Bogdanovich too soon, I know. But like, you know, a pretty acclaimed player who signs like a three-year deal or something worth the a Knicks decent amount of money. The Knicks just signed someone for a multi-million dollar contract. 
Yeah, but like it, it would just be really weird to, for a team to pay 750k right now, and then the actual deal they sign is like worth less than that over two years or something. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad you said two years because it was reported that was it was a two year deal. For a lot, yeah, I just I don't believe it. I don't believe Buck it. Well, summer league legend Jordan Tresky is running wild right now. <laughs> When is he not? Um, yeah, you can tell we're, we're we're going long for the first time in a while. It's getting a little loopy here at the end. But uh, to put a bow on the the stocks, Horace only gets an up stock when he is officially dumped Karooks, not before. So we'll check back in next week and see what's going yeah, on. There. If he doesn't, he might get a down. Like if this yeah. falls through, that's like that might be like four down stocks. It's gonna be like when I secured the purchase of an Xbox Series S, and I'm using I in this one, so you can tell right from the jump. <laughs> that this is a hyper-specific for a reason analogy. Secure the purchase. It's in Oshkosh and never gets delivered, and I have to go get a refund because it was just, like, stolen off a truck. So that's what it would feel like. It, it's it's worse than just not getting it in the first place. So, yeah, no, I, I could see a downstock for Horst if he, uh, if he does not actually secure the no Karuk's bag. For sure. Multiple down stocks. I'll say that. That's, that's heavy, but okay. I think that is, uh, I think that's everything we've got. Um, oh man. One last thing here. Deepak reports in the chat. Not sure where he's getting it from, but I, I believe him. I feel like they hit every shot in quotes from Chris. I have heard this too many times this season. When I wake up tomorrow and see the video clip of Bud saying they just made shots. Um, I'm going to lose it a little bit. Like uh, people wonder why we get mad on the podcast. Cause we have to hear this. How many times we're scarred. We are scarred. They just hit shots. I mean, like, listen, there's only so much you can really say it as a coach of a team in a situation like this, but the, they just hit shots thing. And I saw a lot of bucks. Twitter was like panning this early in this game. Like he said it so much. It's not even like a super hardcore thing. I think a lot of people have come to hate that statement at this point. So yeah, I think, uh, they just hit shots is like a new buzzword. Maybe not that new, but a buzzword on Bucks Twitter this year and completely valid reason. Yeah, for sure. It's completely understandable. Like we've, we've heard these things a lot. Like we're, we're, we're you might be in too deep. To, like, no question. No question. Yeah. Like the first thing I thought of when you said, uh, I'm not sure where he's getting this from, but uh, I trust him is like every, I was thinking like, oh, every media outlet when they hear something about the Bucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we're in too deep, but I think that it's, people appreciate that for us. Cause like, you know, we're, we're deep in the slop and we just like come out of it with these like easily digestible podcasts. So you don't actually have to be, neck deep in this thing like us, this thing being, you know, the Bucks season and being covering the Bucks or whatever to get the, like you can get the information and the vibes, but you don't actually have to go through everything that we go through. Like you can tune in for three quarters and tune out and then just check out the pod and you'll, you'll capture everything that you may have missed because you, you know, enjoyed your evening or some other crazy thing. Just listen to the pod the next day. It's perfect. If that is not the perfect advertisement to subscribe to, to the Eurostep, I don't know what is. And this is a perfect way to end this episode. Thank you for everyone listening live here on Locker Room. And thank you, even if you're listening to this as a podcast form, make sure to follow us on Locker Room. Give us a follow. We go live now and then. Uh, at least, you know, we do it like once a week. 
Uh, it, it's fun here. We get some good interaction here. It, it, it's a good time. But nevertheless, however you're listening to this, thank you for listening to this episode of the Eurostep here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Ty laid out a great a great reason why you should subscribe. So you know what you should do? Subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. And if you're on Apple, make sure you leave a five-star rating tweeted at us, at Ty Widdish, at Arcadi Jr., at Eurostep Podcast. You know, give, give us a follow. Uh, make sure you check out all of the content across the entire Blue Wire Podcast Network. Stay safe, everyone, and we will talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.